It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Hello, players. It's your week. So good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. The PGA Tour is hosting their Super Bowl this week, and we have a past champion from the players with us today. But before that, it's Bryson Baum and Bay Hill. So lock and load, listeners. The Pro Show is live. Let's go, Wade. Give it to me. Friday afternoon, and that's right, you can't stop the pro show. You can only hope to contain it on most days. And uh, Mr. Wade Weezer, how was your week? I got my first shot this week. Speaking of containing. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I noticed you were sans mask today here in the studio, so that's a good sign. Well, I'm not jumping the gun, but... It's more so, so I can breathe this morning. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, because the nice weather we had this week, uh, things are starting to percolate outside. So yep, here come the allergies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. You know, we sit in the, we're cold all winter, and then all of a sudden, you know, the flowers start popping, and next thing you know, you can't breathe. Well, anyway, you know, such is life. But hey, congratulations on a shot in the arm. Thank you, you know, I appreciate it. You know, I like to think that this show is a shot in the arm every Friday afternoon Absolutely. for all our for all our listeners to get their weekend kickstarted. And uh, you know, we're gonna have a great show today because Fred Funk is with us, and Fred is the 2005 Players Champion, and it's Players Championship Weekend, as I alluded to in the opening there. And Fred's a great guy. He was with us a couple years ago. Um, we had some fun with him, and just a, he's just a fantastic interview. And as a past champion, he's gonna break it all down for us there at the Players because it did not disappoint yesterday. Yesterday, as we get right into this today, our leaderboard right at the top, Mr. Sergio Garcia fired a little 65 yesterday. He finishes birdie, birdie eagle, which, you know, gets you moving places. If you're four under on your last three holes and you're not leading, you're going to be close to it. He's followed closely by Brian Harmon at the end of round one. He was six under. Um, then we got a, just a, a legion of people after that. At, at minus four, we've got Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Corey Connors. Um, and then my man Lee Westwood from Bay Hill last weekend, the 47-year-old. You got to love those 47-year-olds. <clears throat> you know, you got to love those guys, right? So, he, you know, he he shot three under in the first round, and he's with his buddy Bryson, who he spent all day Sunday with at Bay Hill. And Bryson is making news, and you know, I, I'm not sure – if he's going to take over the full Tiger role of the of the number one newsmaker on the PGA Tour, but he seldom disappoints, which gets me into this conversation about the fact that why is it that people do or don't like Bryson? You know, he, he comes across he's he doesn't come across as the most likable guy because he hits you with the science and I'm training and he's trying to you know, drink all these protein shakes and gain 50 pounds to hit the ball 5,000 yards. And it's just like, it's just this comedy of stuff. But last weekend at Bay Hill, it was like the Bryson show. And of course he ends up winning the whole tournament. But I started to think more and more about what we would talk about this afternoon because Bryson is basically the topic of conversation and it's been going on all week. And 
it was very cool that Lee Westwood at his age and the length of it, he hits the ball, fabulous ball striker. You know, his putting's always been a little shaky. And in the end, that's what did him in. But, um, you know, he kept pace with Bryson. And as far as Bryson's hitting it, he still only won the tournament by one. But it, it was great theater. I mean, I know I woke up Sunday morning and I was checking the wind on that sixth hole, the par five to see was Bryson going to go. And you got to give the guy credit because he's leading the tournament and he's going to hit it on a carry across a lake, 330 yards. I mean, that's, to me, I mean, that's serious. I mean, Respect. That, you know, I, I got to give props to that guy. You know, you talk about the man in the arena. And and this is what, you know, kind of made me start thinking about Bryson because as much as the USGA and the distance argument and all these different conversations are going on in the world right now, here is this guy, right? with all his protein shakes and his broad shoulders is like he's taking the golf world on with his science, which at times in the, in the press room is a little bit annoying and everything. I, I get it, you know, but you got to admire the fact that this guy just throws it out there and says, I'm going for it. And he went for it in two days in a row while he's in contention of, the, I mean, this isn't like John Daly, you know, on, on a Thursday afternoon, he's already like 10 over to say, right. you know, I'm going to hit it across this lake. I don't care if it goes in the water 10 times, I'm going to quit. So, I mean, this guy's he's, he's leading the tournament and then he hits this shot. He's on a par five. On Sunday, leading the tournament, he has 88 yards to the pin in two. 88 yards. He means 170 yards in front of Lee. And we go, I go back in my mind to this thing about why isn't Bryson likable? Because it seems like this evolution kind of happened last weekend, which I think is kind of cool for him. And, and I haven't been a big personality fan of Bryson. Sometimes enough's enough with him already, you know, like. They should give him the hook in the press room because he just gets so deep into into what he's talking about. It's like enough already, buddy. I get it. He believes it. what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, anyone that talks that much is not as smart as they think they are. I mean, that's the, that's just a rule in life. But so, so I can't wait to use that line this weekend. I mean, it, it's true, though. You know, and so I started thinking about this and I was thinking about the man in the arena. Right. Which made me think, uh, you know, I love my pop culture. So I'm going to take this to Gladiator. Right. Okay. Russell Crowe. And I think about his evolution in that movie. You know, he starts out as General Maximus and, you know, he is this guy that demands respect and everything. And he's out there and he's like, maybe he's likable. Maybe he's not, you know. But as the course of the movie takes place, you see the evolution of his character, which is what made it such a great movie. Yep. But by the end, when he embraces his Coliseum self, right, it was like this weekend when Bryson got to the, the sixth hole on Saturday and everyone's like, let's go. And, you know, fans are back, which is great. They're like, let's go, let's go. And, you know, you hear the chanting and then he hits it. I was like so ready for him to turn to the crowd and be like, are you not entertained? You know, I mean, it's just, it was absolutely I was waiting for that. Line. Oh, and when the arms went up, I was like, that would have been just priceless. I mean, it, the guy's unbelievable. And now, you know, you've got the PGA tour tweeting out, you know, that moment in time and the different things that Bryson is doing, which is which is kind of cool. Um, it helps grow the game. It makes it fun. You know, I'm the director of fun. I love all of this stuff. So I, I think that there's an interesting evolution going on here with our man Bryson, which which stay tuned, because, you know, now we've come to another event this week in the Players' Championship. And sure enough, Bryson creates a story on Tuesday. He says, you know what? I think I can hit it over this lake over here. Because it'll be closer to get to the green than it would be if I go around the long side of the lake. And then all of a sudden, the PGA Tour guys are like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what, what'd you just say? Because 
no one's ever looked over there before. And, you know, now, so he was going to play the 18th hole by hitting it over to the ninth hole and then hitting it back to the 18th hole, which was like, you know, you just have to start to laugh. You're like, well, hey, you did tweet him out last week. So you were promoting him. And now a week later. So I think it's it's going to be really fun and entertaining to watch these two go back and forth, the PGA Tour and Bryson, because, you know, the masses to a certain degree, um, are fickle on Bryson. You know, they haven't they haven't totally bought into his Maximus evolution yet, you know, and, and hopefully this little diatribe gets him a little bit more love. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the USGA and the whole distance thing and what Bryson is doing and the popularity that it's bringing to the game and the popularity of all the people playing golf that are out there right now. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful week. And if you were in South Jersey, you know, people that you couldn't get a tee time. I mean, okay. it, it was it was, I think, a record high in Philly on Thursday, uh, yesterday. So you're talking it was like 74 degrees. Um, the golf courses were wall to wall. And I guarantee you, everyone that watched Bay Hill was just dying to you know, get out there. Yeah, they were just dying to get out there and swing as hard as they could, just like Bryson. And they were looking for areas to cross <laughs> holes and and, you know, bunkers they've never looked at before. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think that um it's going to provide some great theater. And as we evolve out of Phil and Tiger, we are going to need, you know, some of these characters, you know, in life, you need characters, you know, so we've got the Patrick Reeds of the world, which are like the ultimate villain, you know, everyone's flagged him as the cheater or whatever. And then you've got your Brooks and his quotables in the press room and his kind of like defiant look at the world. And, you know, you've got your, everyone is after Jordan Spieth because he's kind of like the boy next door and, and just like a great guy. And everyone's rooting for him and his comeback. But then you've got this Bryson story where every week, I mean, obviously the players and the PGA Tour couldn't predict what Bryson was going to be up to this week, right? I mean, they had to react to him on Tuesday saying, I'm going to hit it over there. So, you know, I think week in and week out, we're going to get some great entertainment. And I can't wait for it uh, there, Mr. Wade Weezer. That's for sure. Otherwise, it's boring. Well, that's one thing for sure is that um, since the start, of the 2021 calendar year, golf has been anything but boring, and I absolutely love it. I think, I mean, all sports need <clears throat> need players that don't give the standard answer, don't walk the, the standard line. Otherwise, all right, you're the same as everyone else. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally, Bryson, I mean, his like middle name is like Robert Frost. He's on the road less taken. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And uh, you know who also takes the, the road here in New Jersey? to golf and growing the game um, that is less taken. That's the New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section. And they are committed to positively impacting the lives and communities through the game of golf. And did you know the New Jersey Golf Foundation offers two annual scholarships? That's the Peter Famiano Memorial Scholarship and the Bruce Lieberman Memorial Scholarship. Now listen up, parents. Each scholarship is open to all seniors in high school who will be attending college, offering $2,500 a year with a maximum of $10,000. To apply for these scholarships or for more information, please visit the New Jersey Golf Foundation website at njgolffoundation.org or call us at 732-465-1212. Hey, is a lesson to be learned there. Uh, college is not getting any less expensive there, Wade Weezer. So certainly... Pay attention to that, folks, and uh, reach out to the New Jersey Golf Foundation and see if you can earn a scholarship for your son or daughter. Now, I know we're going to get Fred in just a couple minutes here, so let's jet out of here, folks. It's 3.12 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with your 2005 Players Champion, Fred Funk. 
the shindig. Chop chop, he says I'm gonna win big. He's back. What we have just witnessed is the most unprofessional act that I can ever remember seeing in professional sports, and I've been covering this stuff for 30 years. Mike Greenberg. He is better than advertised. If this kid stays healthy, he is well on his way to being one of the best and one of the most unique players this league has seen in a very long time. Greeny. Every weekday starting at noon on the new 920 ESPN. I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay. I just popped some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake. Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. Now, we are joined today by the 2005 Players Champion, a PGA Tour player with over 600 tournaments to his resume, here to help us understand the madness of TPC Sawgrass. In fact, he was with us on air the last time the tournament was completed back in 2019. His expertise is what we need this afternoon. So after all, he's got seven PGA Tour victories to go with his player's title. As a resident of Ponte Vedra Beach, the stadium course this week is in his town. Nice energy on that song there. Producer Wade Weezer on the board. I appreciate that. I know it'll get our guest fired up. And uh, I just heard from you that he's traveling out west. So I've got to dig into this. So first of all, Fred Funk, how are you this afternoon? Uh, I'm good. Really good. I'm out here getting ready to take on, I think, the storm of the decade, they say, is coming. we got about three feet of snow coming over the weekend. So I flew in yesterday like an idiot to... Uh, get my back worked on i'm getting some injections in my back of prolozone and and then some uh stem cell stuff in my hip and i'm just trying to get my back better and i'm also building a golf course out here so um hopefully i can get on the golf course i've been out about four times in the last five months we broke ground in september and we have 18 holes shaped in fact we've only missed three days of work i think with the shapers all winter long so it's been pretty amazing, uh, pretty mild winter, and it's super exciting. I'm so excited to do this. It was a bucket list thing for me to actually have an opportunity to build a golf course, and we got a piece of land that's extraordinary, and it, it's a blast. It's going to be one of the best golf courses. Ironically, being I'm one of the short hitters, shortest hitters in the history of the game to play the tour, we're designing the north, longest course in North America by yardage. It's 8,400-plus yards, and it's not going to play near that long. It'll probably play about 73, 74, but um, we're going to have tees way the heck back there. 8,400 yards. All right, let's, so what's the name of this project? Where, where is it going to be in Colorado? I'm, I'm excited about this. This is a pretty cool story. Tell me more about it. Well, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's up in Windsor, Colorado, just south of Fort Collins, an hour north of Denver, an hour from the um, airport, and a piece of land that doesn't have a 
tree on it. It drops about 350 feet from top to bottom. But it has all these natural arroyas, these huge erosion ditches that have been over there thousands of years. And and uh, we're going around them and over them, and it's just a spectacular piece of land. Uh, and we're at almost 5,000 feet. And ironically, and it really, I don't know how it worked out this way. It was kind of on purpose, kind of by accident. But out of the 18 holes, we have 15 holes that are downhill or level. We only have nine and 18 and half of 11 going uphill. And uh, so we minimized a lot of those uphill shots. And we're going to have uh, like British Open style grass. We're going to have the fescue grass that's really firm and fast. So if you take the altitude away from the 8400, we're at about 75. And then you take the run out where I'll give you an example. We have uh, number four and five or two par fours that are. 550 and 570, but they're going to play. A guy like McElroy is going to hit a wedge in. Huh. Uh, they're down. They're downhill. Um, say you, he flies it at 320 on at sea level. He'll fly at 360, and then it'll run out of 40 or 50 yards. So it'll be 400 plus drives, 400 yard plus drives. And uh, we had a almost 800 yard par par five on the back that number 13. That'll be. I think these the bombers will be able to reach it too. So we have this on the card, really menacing yardages, but it's not going to play anything like that. I'm just thinking about the fact that you said what 15 of the holes are going to play downhill. I mean that that is my kind of golf course right there. I mean, well, level or downhill, yeah. So it'll be uh, really amazing that we pull that off because it, it's a pretty severe piece of land. If you really think of Kapalua. And you see the scale of everything there. It's on a big side slope of a mountain, and uh, and the fairways are huge. That's kind of what we're doing here. Um, big greens, big fairways. I believe in shallow bunkers and in the, in the fairways. Ball not have to chip out, and uh, it'll just be a lot of fun. I, a blast to play the thing. And a big feature where uh, Arison Menchu is my architect. He worked for Arnie's group. Palmer's group for 25 years and he has a thing called the Wolver's Court. So it's uh, like a huge putting green but also bunkers and, and chipping areas and it's literally 180 yards long, one green and it's just where we're going to have a bar there. We're going to light it up at night. All the people can come in that are staying on property. We'll have cottages and uh, just have fun. Go out there have fun all night long and, and uh and then during the day, we're going to have, during the winter, we're going to have a snow bunny hill called Snow Dance. The project's called Rain Dance. Uh, beautiful name. Uh, that was the name of the property, so we named the golf course that. And uh, we're going to have a, a bunny hill in the wintertime called Snow Dance. We're going to have a zip line over the thing in the summertime called, uh, called Air Dance. And uh, all sorts of stuff. We're going to have an amphitheater for concerts and uh, clamping glamorous camping on the project so it's really cool i mean this is unbelievable i love this story rain dance all right so if we google that is there something that uh, my listeners can learn about more of it if they want it do you guys have a website already yeah yeah you can look up water valley uh that's where it's at and rain dance and it should pop up uh, but we're we're going to have it documented we're we're documenting the start to finish construction, which is kind of fun. 
uh, on film. And then Matt Janella, who works for uh, Golf Channel, does those destination features on on uh, you know different projects around the the world, actually, and different golf courses. He's coming out June first, and he's going to do a feature on uh, the whole project. So that should be really good too. Is June first around when the course is going to open? No, it won't open till July of twenty-two. Uh, we'll have it grass this summer, and then we're just going to be letting it grow in. Is this going to be a public course, resort? Is it going to be a private course? It's going to be high-end public. That's great. Yeah. So people can travel out to the rain dance, and they can play it, which would be pretty cool. I, lo- I, I love this story. And, folks, if you're wondering who that voice is that's talking to us about this project out in Colorado, that is Fred Funk, PGA Tour player. And he's here joining us this week. It's Players' Championship Week. So, Fred, let's uh, shift gears here for a second. Let's get back to sea level down there in Ponte Vedra Beach, your hometown. And uh, let's talk a little bit about round one and, you know, what you – think is taking place over there at sawgrass and then you know give us some of your feedback on what you saw or some of the stories from yesterday well i didn't get to see a lot of it yesterday um i was traveling and uh coming out here i actually moved to austin about a month ago after 30 years in ponte Vedra. but the golf course i'm hearing unbelievable reviews from every player saying there's not a blade out of grass it's absolutely perfect conditions the greens are incredibly quick they're 13 plus on a stump meter, which for the first round is really fast. And uh, just the roughs up and the wind was blowing a little bit. And you saw scores like Sergio, seven under is a remarkable score. And I did see the two shots um, where he eagled the two par fives, number nine, which was his last hole. Uh, he said the second shot's one of the best shots he's ever hit. And that, that hole, number nine, used to be a true three-shot par five, and now these guys are reaching it in two. And when the when we had the May date, uh, the course played quite a bit shorter because it was drier and, and firmer and faster. And Jason Day hit a driving iron, three iron on the number nine. I remember uh, watching that. I'm like, that's ridiculous. But Sergio had a hell of a round with two eagles in one round. That's great. Then you go to the other side of the spectrum, and Hendrick Stenson shoots 85. And I think he had two triples. And that's the nature of the golf course. Um, if you have control of your golf ball, uh, especially off the tee, well, I should say on both. Off the tee, you get in good position. And then you have control of your irons. The way the greens are um, designed, you can feed the ball to the hole and not take on all the water hazards. But if you get out of position, it's hard to get back into position and, and try to save even a bogey. Uh, so that's why you see a lot of doubles and a lot of triples. But at the same time, you see guys that are really playing well can maximize their opportunities for birdies. And you can see those 500s and Sergio's 700. That's a pretty remarkable round. Let's talk about those guys that are playing well. One of the things that's always baffled me about the players is that people will come to me this week and they'll say, who do you pick to win? And it never seems like there's a common skill set of the winners of this event. I mean, I take someone like you who won back in 2005 and I compare that to, um, you know, in your time frame on tour of like a Davis Love who also won, you know, or Fred Couples. I mean, you have you have bombers that won there. You have um, real consistent ball strikers like you that have won there. I mean, so why is it that this golf course doesn't really have a common characteristic of its winners? What is it about TPC Sawgrass that gives us such an interesting leaderboard year in and year out? 
Well, it's a position golf course. It's not about length. It's about getting yourself in position to set up those second shots. And the design of the greens are really, really interesting. All of them are totally different, but they have their, their plateaus, their putting areas that you got to, uh, uh, you know, avoid being in the, on the wrong side when the pin's on one side and you're on the other. But if you have control of your ball, whether you're long or short, uh, you can play it really well because it's not overwhelming length. Uh, in fact, if you go with Bryson, I'm not sure how many drivers he hit yesterday. I would guess he hit at most three drivers because you run out of room and you're hitting, hitting it as long as he is. He might, I picture him hitting the driver maybe on, um, one and 11 and 16. And that, that might be it, maybe 14. Um, but you know, depending on the wind conditions and, and how well he's hitting it. So a lot of guys, the driver's not really uh, something in their bag that they can use as a weapon on that golf course. It's more getting yourself in position. So that's why guys like me, uh, I happen to have a really good week. With uh, I think I led the week in fairways hit and greens hit. And um, and I was playing with Adam Scott that, that last final day. And he, uh, you know, he, he was defending champ, and he's really long. And... You know, he he was totally opposite game with me, and it's a beautiful game. Everybody loves watching Adam hit the ball. But um, you know, I ended up I was able to win that year um, just because I controlled my golf ball so well that year in really adverse conditions. I had a lot of wind. We had to play 32 holes on Monday. Uh, a lot of people don't remember that we had so much rain. Um, so you know, I was fortunate to. Uh, be able to pull that off, but that was a big win for me and, and for anyone that wins this thing. And now it's a $15 million purse. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Times are good for these guys. Now, I think about when you talk about it being such a position golf course, that also implies that there's maybe some key holes out there. I want to take you back to 2005, or maybe because the weather conditions were crazy that particular year, but um, back when you were playing the tournament year in and year out, do you feel like there were a couple holes that you really had to focus on to play well? Yeah, I think one and two right out of the gate. One is one of the hardest opening drives you'll ever hit, and uh, a very narrow fairway there. And then number two is almost impossible to hit. Uh, for the long hitters, for the short hitters, you got to draw it a little bit, ideally. The fairway's crowned. It's really narrow. you got trees overhanging. Uh, very, very difficult driving hole. So if you get it in position, you have a really good opportunity for eagle or birdie on that hole. But it's just so hard to get it in position. And then number one, the green is very difficult to get it where you can have a very nice aggressive putt at it. Uh, number 15, the redo of 15 when they jack the tees back, uh, probably about 40 yards at least, uh, made it a really tight shoot going out there. That's a tough driving hole. And then 18 is 18. 18 is just brutal. So uh, you know you got to just suck it up. You got to trust it. And if you're guiding your golf ball that week, you're really in trouble. Because really what happens at, at TPC Sawgrass and what Pete Dye created there is um, visual intimidation. And he gives you a lot of – he gives you room on most holes to hit it, but you know you just can't miss the room that he gave you because then you're really in trouble. I've played the course several times, and I think it's definitely from the tee the most visually intimidating golf course 
that anyone could create. I think about holes like number five, where all you see are the mounds and the bunker, and he kind of like he sinks the fairway on a number of different holes, and you're like, well, where do I, where am I supposed to land this thing, right? I mean, do you feel that too? Yeah, you do. Probably the most visually intimidating that he created himself also was uh, whistling straights. Very, very uh, super intimidating off the tee because you don't, you have no idea where to go. But the same thing at Sawgrass. You you look out there and you you kind of see where you don't want to go more than where you want to go, and that's where you it's got you. Because if you're thinking that, you're really in trouble. Uh, that that's where you start trying to guide it and. I don't want to go over there in the lake or I don't want to be over there in those palmetto bushes. And, and then you put a steer swing on it and you go the opposite direction and you're in worse trouble. Well, I tell you, your point about the second hole is warranted because they put up a stat yesterday of all the golf courses and all the holes that they play on the PGA Tour around the entire year. The second hole at TPC Sawgrass has the most drives under 200 yards. Yeah, I've I saw Rory twice a couple of years ago. He hit the first branch coming off the tee, which was about maybe 100 yards off the tee, and it just dropped down. He wasn't even to where the fairway starts uh, two times in a row. One time he made pretty anyway. But uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, you, you try to – you got to hit the perfect shape there. I remember way back in the day, Bruce Litsky, who uh, couldn't hit a draw. His whole game was hitting a big cut, a super high cut. And he had to hit three wood off that tee. And he could draw. Actually, he didn't draw his three wood. He could actually hit it straight. And that hole drove him nuts because it just took – you're, you're totally on defense when you're playing that hole, off the tee anyway. Yeah, the, the reason they brought up that stat yesterday is they had four guys. This was about at the start of the second wave. They already had four guys that drove it under 200 yards on the second hole, meaning they hit the trees and, uh, you know, they played pinball from there, which is just crazy. And you know what else is crazy? You have to talk about those key holes there being the par threes. Talk about such a varied set of par three. I mean, is there a golf course that has a more varied set of four par threes than what Pete Dye created there at TPC Sawgrass? Yeah, the one we're building in uh, Colorado? Yeah. We're going to blow everybody away with our par threes. We have five of them, but go back uh yeah all the part threes there are, are very unique you got number three it's not very long but a very tough green and if you miss it left in that bunker or long in that bunker you're really not in good position at all and there's not much room to the right to miss it the place to miss it is short but that's not very good either and nobody's going to lay up on a part three that's only about 160 yards to the front of the green and then number eight is the mac daddy 240 250 from the back and that's not a very big target. And you actually got a pretty good shoot right there. You got to hit it through. Um, very interesting hole. And then you get the number 13, a crazy green. Really, really tough to get it in the right position so you can have a decent putt at it. And then everybody knows the iconic hole 17. So uh, 17, it's funny because when you play it for fun, it doesn't seem like it's that hard. And then when you play it looks like a pretty good target. And then when you play it in the tournament, you're, uh, you're puckering up and you're trying to like, oh boy, here we go. Especially if the wind's blowing or the green gets firm or, or both. It's very difficult. 
you know what you brought up there you brought up the project rain dance out in colorado in the in the five par threes there now that's a modern day golf course you are creating that currently i'm wondering what went into your mindset you played all of these different holes on tour and in your lifetime all these different par threes but the modern sense of the game is for people to have more fun to have more enjoyment playing the game what was your um, mindset when you started to create these par threes for rain dance because you know the TPC Sawgrass course was created you know thirty plus years ago by Pete Dye. I'm interested to to learn more because you know your first reaction was like, man, we're gonna have these great par threes out there in Colorado. Tell me what you were thinking when you designed those to make them more fun. Well, they're gonna be fun and they're gonna be visually beautiful, but really intimidating, and uh, and they're gonna be very difficult, but. Uh, the land dictated ours. Uh, there was just, when I first walked the golf course, I saw uh, two spots of land where I knew there were going to be greens. I didn't know there were going to be par fives. Well, I didn't know there were going to be par threes. I, I looked at them, I went, these are just unbelievable green sites and will make great par threes. So number eight and number 12 are two what will be, I think, iconic par threes. They're just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, you're hitting over the Arroyas, and uh, it'll be tough. But we'll have five sets of tees. So the key at, at rain dance, and really the key on any kind of golf course that's as hard as sawgrass, is to pick the right tee and play play the distance that you you can uh, easily carry it and and you know hit hit the club you need to get on the green. So that's that's the most important thing. And a lot of people's egos get in the way with that. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of egos, my sponsors have a lot of egos and I got to jump to them for just a second. We got to take a quick break this afternoon. Folks, up next more with PGA Tour player Fred Funk. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Any quarterback that play underneath him is going to look crazy and especially if they got any skill set. Jay Williams. I'm just tired of talking about what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't do. I want to start talking about what Brett Brown needs to make them do. It's time to go to work, Brett. And Zubin Mahente. I can promise you, I am as passionate about sports as you are. It is time to go to work. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Weekday morning starting at 6 on the new 920 ESPN. I adopted Bento in 2010 from a shelter. This cat makes me make art. He's always motivating me to draw pictures of him. He just is motivating artistically. He's my best friend, but a lot of people know him as Keyboard Cat. Keyboard Cat, YouTube star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Start yours today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. You got a great voice it's for radio. Yeah. Time to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. This is Keith Stewart, your host of the Pro Show. Welcome back to our conversation with Fred Funk. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. This this week has plenty of major stories. Thank goodness we have a past champion of the players with us to break it all down. It's a rock and roll Friday afternoon here, and we have one of the PGA Tours most consistent, 
most likable. Just awesome guys. And it's a privilege to have him here on the pro show. We're talking a little TPC Sawgrass, but you know what? Coming out of this break here, Wade Weezer, we got to get Fred Funk back on here. And we've we got to talk a little more Fred Funk, because when I look at your resume, Fred, you played in almost 650 PGA Tour events and you made the cut in, in more than 70 percent of them. You had 93 top 10s and 204 top 25. So basically in a third of your events, you came in the top 25. I The consistency of what you showed as a player year in and year out on the PGA Tour is just amazing. But one of the cool things about you, you went to the University of Maryland and you got a degree in law enforcement. And I'm, I'm one of those people as someone who interviews people week in and week out. I'm always curious. Um not sports management, not any other sort, not not business, you know, law enforcement. Had you not turned out to be the consistent PGA Tour player that you did, what was plan B for Fred Funk? Well, at one time I wanted to be a forest ranger, and then I decided I wanted to be a cop, and uh, I thought that'd be pretty cool. And so I got my uh, degree to be a cop, but then I wanted to pursue golf. I wasn't good enough out of college to get to the tour uh, I went broke on the mini tour in 1981 and went back. And um, then I got the coaching job out of nowhere. My coach got promoted and offered me that. And I did that for seven years before I got out on tour. And, and it just took me a while. But um, living and working in the at, the at Maryland and playing in the mid-Atlantic section, my game kept progressing and getting better. And then I just wanted to see if I could make it. So I really had a... I had a modest goal to make it to the PJ Tour, and if I was good enough, great. And if not, I wanted to know I gave it a chance. And then my first year I got out was 1989. I lost my card, but I got it right back, and uh, I never had to go back to Q school. And then I just started getting used to being in my own skin and playing golf and playing my game, which was just uh, controlled golf. Um, yeah, I was, I'm pretty uh, – you know – kind of stuttering a little bit because I'm proud of what I did and at the same time I wish I believed I was as good as I was I never believed I was that good uh, or that consistent uh, I worked my butt off to, to be that consistent and that was my work ethic was I'm going to outwork everybody and and I'll, I'll do it by that just by outworking them but um, that's probably why my back is bad now but looking back, I did give it my all, and I had no regrets. I just wish I believed in myself a little more than I did um, at times. But my, my, the game beats the hell out of you mentally, and I, I was down a lot um, trying to figure out how to get to that next level or not lose my card. And at the end of my career, I started believing myself enough to finish top 30 a lot on the and get to the Tour Championship a lot at the end. And ironically, the best part of my career was 44 years to 52 years old. You know, I, I, I want to get back to the work ethic part, because for the most part, people don't just develop a work ethic without having a mentor or a parent or a friend or someone that takes you under their wing and just says, hey, you know, like, let's take that characteristic of Fred and, you know, let's really emphasize it or let's teach him what to do. Was there somebody along the way as you were coaching there in the mid 80s that, that you reached like a pivot moment and there was a mentor that was like, hey, Fred, if you really work hard at this, you could probably go places in this game. 
Well, nobody mentioned it with the golf game, but my mentors were my uh, mom, dad, and my brother. Uh, I never saw anybody work harder than three people. And um, I don't know, I just, I grew up at the University of Maryland golf course, started working there when I was 11, and I uh, I loved it. So I had a I had a paper route, I worked maintenance, I worked the range, I worked carts. Um, I, then I drove a newspaper truck for the, was the, Washington Star, the Washington Post is still there, but uh, drove a truck, dropped off to the carriers from 18 years old to I was 24 uh, on weekends. I went to work at 1 in the morning, got off at 10 in the morning, and uh, I'd then I'd go over to maintenance and hop on the greens mower and mow the greens. And uh, and uh, I, I did that for, you know, I just love working and I love being outside. So it wasn't hard for me to do it. I just, uh, just what I did. Was there a PGA pro there at those golf courses or what was there a player when you first got on tour that kind of took you under his wing that kind of helped show you the ropes a little bit and, and, you know, really kind of helped take your career toward the next level? No, not really. I was self-taught, but we had a pro Ronnie scales was a great guy, unbelievable guy. And, um, and then there was a, another pro that was in Frederick, Maryland at, uh, Holly Hills, uh, Mike McGinnis. And, uh, those two believed in me and told me you got, um, you know, you got something a little special. Keep working at it. When a lot of people said, "Ah, you don't hit it far enough, you'll never make it out there," I said, "Well, that's fine. If I don't make it, I don't make it. Um, but I'm gonna at least give it a shot, and then I can say I gave it a shot." So that's that's kind of was my mentality during that whole process. I was a 32 year old rookie. That's pretty old for a rookie, especially back then. So let's have a fun game here. If you go back now, is, is your advice to that 32-year-old rookie to believe more in himself, or was there something else that you'd say to him? Well, i got a son right now that's 25, and he's got all the talent in the world physically to make it. He's plenty long, great putter, played for University of Texas. He, he's got the talent, so he's the guy I'm trying to – I said, you gotta, you got to find that edge and uh, wherever it is. But number one is believe in the talent that you have and then go from there. So um, he's one guy I'm really trying to get in his head how good he is and then start believing. But it's hard. And right now with the game, I'll, I'll throw this out there, it's hard to find an edge uh, with the driving aspect of the golf ball. Back in the day, um, you know, if you go way back, you go Jack Nicklaus was the longest hitter in the game and, and overpowered golf courses. And uh, and then it came you know, you fast forward. Yeah, Tom Watts was a great driver of the ball, and Greg Norman was ridiculous. Then Tiger came along, and and David Duvall, I thought was I think the top three drivers I've ever seen in my life was uh, Norman, Sergio, and Greg Norman. So, uh, and oh, did I say well, Greg, Sergio, and David Duvall? I'm sorry, and uh, those guys for length and accuracy were amazing. But now everybody's long. And the driver's the easiest club in the bag to hit. So you got to find an edge somewhere else. It's got to be with short game, your iron game, your putting, and in your mind. You, you better have confidence or you're just going to get run over. 
It's interesting the way you bring that up because a lot is made of distance these days. I mean, it's an endless conversation and the argument is infinite. Um, Everyone's going back and forth, whether it's the USGA or should we do something with the ball, bifurcation, all these different things. But you're saying that distance is kind of a commonality and the the great players all have something else that they bring to the game and and that's what makes them great, you think? Yeah, Bryson's the only guy that's separated himself now because he's just worked to be so much longer than a lot of the other guys um, and still pretty straight considering how far he hits it. But uh, everybody else hits it, you know, 310 to 320 in the air is is getting to be the common thing. And all the guys, I think the average out there now is 295, 296, counting roll and everything else. But that's a long way. It's plenty long enough to to win on any golf course in the world. So, I don't think you need to be 320 yards, but to have that as your, um, you know, in your quiver to hit it that far, uh, another tool in your toolbox, that's awesome. But uh, you got to find another way to separate yourself. Uh, I think if the USGA, if they wanted to curve back the ball, uh, just add a little spin to it. If it's, I don't know whether it's that easy, but you make the ball spin a little more, and all of a sudden it's going to you're going to have to figure out how to control that ball flight again, and it's going to shorten it up a little bit. And um, I think that would be an interesting thing to do. The drivers themselves are the easiest club to hit the back. They're the most forgiving, uh, the biggest head, biggest sweet spot. It's pretty easy to hit the driver nowadays. You know, folks, if you're wondering what that voice is that you're hearing on the radio today, we're talking to a man who separated himself by hitting the driver, and that's Fred Funk, PGA Tour player. Now, just to get back to where we started this conversation today before we let you go, you mentioned something about you're going you're out there in Colorado because you're getting work done on your back. Last year, 2020, you played 16 events on the PGA Tour champions. Um, How are you feeling about your back, and when will we see you back out on tour playing a little more golf? Well, I'm hoping to play a full schedule this year, but that's been my goal a lot. I withdrew a lot last year, too, in the last three years. So I have days where my back just is not even functional. I'm not able to practice like I need to or want to, but uh, I'm hopefully I can get through this a little bit. I'm almost 65 years old, so I know my career is at the end, but I just love it so much. I love the Champions Tour so much, the camaraderie, the brotherhood that we have out there, and we all love to compete, and I don't want to give up that yet, and I'm just seeing if I can get competitive again, because I honestly have not been competitive in a while, and uh, I I hate that. I'm just, I don't want to just be a token show up, Um, so I believe I can get there again. I want to, I'd love to have two or three more years of trying to be competitive and maybe knock one more off. I feel like when I feel good, I can still play at a high level, but I, I can't consistently feel good. So we'll see. Uh, this age thing is not easy to uh, overcome. Yeah, Father Time is undefeated. There's no doubt about that. But one thing's for sure, we love having you on the show. So we'll be rooting for you. There's no doubt about that. One last question. Who do you think pulls away this weekend? Who do you think is going to win the 2021 Players Championship. Does Sergio, can he lead for four rounds? Who do you think? Lee Westwood just came off of second place last week. He's playing good, and his confidence is super high, and he's really controlling his golf ball. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised he knocked off his win right here. Uh, he doesn't have a major yet. 
I think the player should be a major, but um, in, in everybody's player's mind, it is a major. But uh, I'd love to see Lee get one, get a really big tournament like that. He's playing great golf, so he's my early pick right now. I love uh, uh, Shoffley. Uh, I, I love the way he Xander just plays a beautiful game of golf, and, um, and I like to see Jordan Spieth keep keep rocking and uh, get his game back and get in the lead again and. Just keep knocking on the door. It's going to break open here soon for him, I think. Well, one thing's for sure, Fred. When it comes to Players' Championship Week, you're our pick around here. There's no doubt about that. We love having you on to talk TPC Sawgrass. And thanks so much for sharing Rain Dance with us. That project is super cool. And um, I just learned all about it today. And I can't thank you enough for being with us. Yeah, anytime. You, you call me, I'll, I'll definitely come on. All right, well, when you come up in the New York area, let's play some golf, too, all right? Uh, it's the best area for golf in the world. Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey. Doesn't get better than that. Well, from from your lips to my audience's ears, they love to hear that because they know it. This is the this is the place for golf. So you, uh, you have a good day with the doctor there and continued success with Rain Dance and the PGA Tour champions. You got it. Thanks, Keith. All right, folks. We're going to get out of here to another break. It's... It's about 3.50 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Coming back to wrap up today's show with the update. Janae Wumake. Players, we've always been at the forefront of social change. We all respect the decision, and we support her decision, more importantly. And Mike Golick Jr. We saw a Black Lives Matter shirt at a NASCAR race. You have finally opened the door to make a new group of people feel welcome at a racetrack. The new knows no limits. Janae Wumake and Mike Golick Jr. are Janae and Golick Jr. Weekday afternoons at 4 on the new 920 ESPN. St. Jude exceeds any expectation or any dream I could have ever had about a hospital. First was getting David here to save his life, but then I was told we wouldn't get a bill. I, I didn't quite process that. How's this possible? It's possible through all the wonderful people who donate. It's pretty amazing when you consider that seven years ago, we didn't have the treatments we have now. We cure 80% of children with cancer. If you think about that, I mean, go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. Well, the research here is research that we share with everyone else because overall, we want to help all children that have cancer. What makes that possible is people that give to St. Jude. They really help us to fulfill our mission, and we're so grateful to have them on our team. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around. And the rumpus and ruck is so comfortable now. Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow. You know you can listen anywhere at 920ESPNNewJersey.com. Just hit that Listen Now button. In case you want to listen again or you want to catch another show, download us on iTunes, Amazon, iHeart. Here we go.
There we go. A little song for the kids that listen to the radio. <laughs> little hits one. What are you chuckling about over there? The kids. I love this song. Yeah, it's a good song. Well, yeah, it's a good song. It's just got a really infectious, weird vibe to it. Yeah. The um, now, here we go. Announcer guy. Where the where they grabbed that from? I don't know. They probably grabbed it from you. It sounds just like you. It certainly no. does not. Yeah, I don't know. You're, but you got something going on over there. You're grinning about. You're grinning about something. I know. You I'm know. looking through the computer. That's all. Just, and and it's, there's, I found something. Oh boy, I don't know. I'm just wondering why you didn't ask me to have it prepared today. Are you curious? Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Of course. This show is white gold. Amanda Balionis won't get old. This one for them club twirls, them good shots, straight masterpieces. Guys are styling, living it up at the you players. Know, I got it's a, like Philly it's, um, it's a credit to Fred so Funk as a human being that the last time he was on the show, I introed with that, a little uptown funk, right? And I saw what you were doing today. We had Funky Town, we had Funk 49. Sure. I mean, I mean, how many how many funk songs are there out there? That's about it. You know, well, so, um, <laughs> the fact that he came back on the show after I did this. Hey, turn it up, turn it up. Woo. Masters is close, hallelujah. Woo. Let's play golf, hallelujah. Woo. Cause now Fred Funk's gonna give it to you. Cause now Fred Funk's gonna give it to you. Oh boy. Cause now Fred Funk is here All right. with you. All right. It's Players All right. Friday and we are on Fox. <laughs> Director of Fun, but just watch. Come on. <laughs> hey, come on. All right. How about come on with the pro show update? Sponsored by TaylorMade. First, we changed the shape of the driver. Now we're changing the way they're constructed. The all-new Sim 2 driver was built differently around a forged aluminum ring. It's TaylorMade's longest and most forgiving driver ever. Played by the best tour pros in the game, Tiger, DJ, Rory, Colin Morikawa, Tommy Fleetwood, and Matt Wolf, just to name a few. It gives every golfer the confidence to swing away every time they step up to the tee. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow. Learn more about Sim 2 driver and to find a fitting near you, head to TaylorMadeGolf.com. And here we are with the Pro Show update. Ernst drives on. Yes, Austin Ernst won the Drive On Championship. Remember Beth Ann Nichols last week? She sure. was heading to the LPGA Tour event. Well, she won that event over a former NCAA champion, Jennifer Cupcho, by five strokes over there at Golden Ocala. And uh, Ernst and Cupcho are two great young American players. And it's nice to see them at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Ernst is... Currently in one of the best stretches of her career, she's notched two victories uh, since August and recorded uh, another six top 25 finishes. So she's uh, playing very well these days. Following the sisters Jessica and Nellie Corda, um, I like to think it's an Olympic year. It's a Solheim Cup year. So, so far, the firm of Corda, Cupcho, and Ernst are looking pretty strong for Team USA. All right. The the Eagle has definitely landed. Listen to this story. Andrew Martin, the Australian Andrew Martin, had four Eagles in one round, closing out the tournament last week. The Players Series Sydney. I'll say that three times fast. All right. So he, he closed with a 10 under par, 61 with four Eagles. He had three Eagles in a row at one point. Um, four Eagles in a round. Ever been done before? Yes. Uh, a couple of the guys have done it. Gordon Brand, Willie Wood, Scott McCarron. Uh, Miko Ilanen and Hatong Lee. Um, but, you know, 61 seems like it's uh, pretty good, man. I mean, three Eagles in a row is pretty impressive stuff. Um, I, I don't know what else to say, but the guys and gals that play this professional game are pretty good. Ooh, Phil hits the century mark and then some. All right. Phil Mickelson 
he first entered the official world golf ranking um, at 580 back in 1990 after he finished 19th in the Northern Telecom Open. I mean, is, is Telecom even a, I don't know. a thing anymore, <laughs> right? So three years later, in 1993, he jumps into the top 100 in the world. You know, 28 years thereafter, he's now officially outside. It's like 1,400 and something weeks, right? Just to give you an idea of how long ago that was, there's five players in the top 10 right now that weren't, weren't even born. They weren't even born <laughs> yet. I mean, that's that. how that's how long that's how long you know this streak has been going on. So congratulations to Phil. I mean, that's just an unbelievable level of consistency. Lifetimes, literally All right. lifetimes. All right. All right. Now I know I know you were watching this last weekend. So Meghan Markle is a bigger all-star than LeBron. That's the headline. All right. 17.1 million viewers watched the Oprah interview with Meghan and Prince Harry. Right. That's crazy. Is, is he still a prince? I don't know. Whatever. That's not important to me. But what blew my mind. Ooh, well, I mean, this is <laughs> the point. Though, is. Right. Like six million people tuned in for the NBA All-Star game, which is a very popular sport. Right. Um, and 17 million people turned in, tuned in to see Oprah talk to Meghan Markle. I mean, honestly, I mean, what talk to me for a second. What is the fascination with the royal family? Or maybe it's well, the fascination I, with Oprah. Yeah, I don't get it. So you're asking the wrong guy. I mean, I'm the wrong guy too. It's a I don't it's know. a PR machine. It's just it's a it's a it's a family business. They have an HR department for crying out loud. Well, business is good. Talk to the comms people. Business is good. All right, Rory's best. It is. It's good. You know, but Rory's best days are ahead of him. Rory McIlroy, in a BBC report, he says he believes the best days are still ahead of him as he seeks to rediscover his rediscover his spark at the Players Championship. You know, he he. Didn't close very well at Bay Hill. He had a 76 in the final round. And he says, you know, I, I truly believe my best days are ahead of me. And you know what? I have to believe him because yesterday he had an opening round 79. So he's right. His best days are still ahead of him. <laughs> What's for dinner? Oh, boy. Here, we, I mean, this there's going to be stories galore on this. But Daniel Rappaport of Golf Digest uh, gave us an update on Dustin Johnson or DJ's plans for the Champions Dinner at Augusta this year. Listen to this Q&A from the uh, Players' Championship. Uh have you settled on your menu yet for the champions dinner? DJ, I have not. I'm actually going to work on that this week. Follow-up question. Um, what is working on it? How do you do that? What are you What are you going to do? Dustin, uh, just write it down. <laughs> I mean, could you, could you imagine? <laughs> we'll delay it there. It seems like he'll be taking full advantage of their world-class culinary team. Just write it down. Um, yeah, I'll just write it down. All right, one more to go here. Um, Tiger Woods is getting back. And uh, feeling better. So Roy McIlroy mentioned in that same BBC interview that a Tiger's doing better. He's been texting him. Uh, it's looking like within the next week or so he's going to get home from the hospital. He'll see his family. And um, during a recent interview also with Jimmy Fallon, he said that um, I, I think the Tiger's not only feeling better, but he's still Tiger. And uh, in case you were wondering if Woods had lost his competitive edge from the hospital bed, McElroy said Woods even dished out some criticism on his form, including texting him after his final round 76 at the Arnold Palmer invitation on Sunday saying, hey, what's the deal, buddy? You know, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, oh, why just think today? You know, speaking of Tiger, this weekend is the 20th anniversary. Talk about how time flies of the infamous better than most putt. So wow, 20 years, 20 years of that. So better than most. Well, Tiger, you've always been better than most. And we wish you to get well soon. Um, your moments are priceless. And that's your pro show update for the week ending March 12th, 2021.
Let's talk about our sponsors real quickly. You've heard them before. It's TaylorMade Golf and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Next week on the Pro Show, he had to get bumped last week because of some engagements with esports and such, but we are going to have Tony Petiti on. He's the newly elected executive board member of the USGA. And what's interesting for me is that as as president of Activation Blizzard Games, that's your your Call of Duty creators, um, why is he... Why was he selected to be a part of the USGA's executive board? And we're, we're going to find that out next week. Now, before we go, you know I'm going to leave you with something. So today's one brief thought is about our place in the world there, Mr. Ooh, Wade Weezer. Very deep. All right. And I thank you for being on the board today. And I thank my listeners. But our place in the world. Well, you know, there's two types of people in this world. Sharks and minnows. Thing is, if you don't know which type you are, then you're not a shark. So take charge this weekend, everyone, and start controlling your waters. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.